Love Hello, Talk everyone. Radio. Hello, everyone. Teddy, are you on with me at this time? Uh, uh, yes, I'm on. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. So, hello, everyone. Welcome to Gifted Autonomy Radio. I hope you're enjoying this beautiful day. This is our very first live broadcast, so work with us on a trial and error here. <laughs> and we have a great show planned for you guys today. We do encourage you to press that follow button for us on our Gifted Autonomy blog, talk radio platform. It's at the very top of our um, poster on there. And follow me at AM Media on Facebook, Ashley and Media on Twitter, and Ash underscore the wordsmith on Instagram. Also, please purchase my second novel online at Barnes & Noble. It's entitled Autoscopy, and it's historical science fiction with time travel and a purpose-driven journey for the lead character as well. So now that we've gotten those housekeeping rules and promotions out of the way, we want to introduce our featured speaker here today, which is author Teddy Cohn. He's here to talk about his novel, The Vineyard, and his journey to becoming an author. So his novel is a truly thought-provoking novel, and I did get a chance to read it last year. I believe it was last May. And I actually wrote a review for the book and wanted to share that with you guys because it really encapsulates my thoughts of, like, the very first thought when I first read the book. So I wanted to read those exact thoughts to you guys. So I said, and this review can be found on Amazon, which is one of the platforms that um, the book is actually on. And I said, the novel gives you a glimpse into the disproportionate way in which African Americans are treated health-wise by creating a fictional plot that has substantial connections to what we're facing in reality. So this is a perfect story to bridge the gap between imaginative fiction and what minorities are still fighting to overcome daily. And it is, I can attest to it, truly being a great read, and I highly recommend it. So to get into these questions we have for Teddy today, um, so, Teddy, tell us about your early years growing up, including where you're from and your roots. That's what we really want to know. And also, how uh-huh. did those early years influence who you are as an author now? Uh, well, first of all, uh, I was born in uh, Trent, New Jersey, and uh, that's where I, I spent uh, most of my adolescent years. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it, I have to say, uh, growing up, uh, in New Jersey, um, well, in Trenton, it, it was uh, pretty rough. Um, had it uh, kind of hard. My father, uh, he died when I was uh, three years old, so I didn't get to know him. And mm-hmm. uh, it was basically my mom and uh, my brother and my sister and myself, and uh, I'm the youngest out of all three of them. And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, well, I was kind of still kind of quiet. And uh, being a fairly small kid and being quiet, uh, I did uh, face a lot of uh, a lot of bullying when I was uh, younger. Oh, uh, okay. But uh, and uh, that kind of did shape me because um, it shaped my uh, well. It forced me to like go in my head and uh, create imaginative uh, fantasies uh, for myself. You know, just trying to just to escape reality. And uh, it did continue on uh, when I moved down to Alabama when I was uh, around nine years old. Uh, mm-hmm. We uh, lived in a, a small town of uh, Abbeville, Alabama. That's where uh, mm-hmm. I spent uh, my teenage years and my young adult years. And um, okay. and after that, um, I moved to uh, Florence, Alabama, where I where I still reside and I went to college. And uh, after I graduated, mm-hmm. I just stayed uh, around here. How do you think, um, I know you mentioned that, you know, um, the bullying helped you kind of escape and create these fictional characters. Um, What kind of characters were you coming up with? Was it in relation to kind of what you were going through as far as those characters, or was it, like, how how did that come about? Um, Most of the characters um, came about of things that – that I wanted, how I wanted to retaliate or respond to bullying, but mm-hmm. I never really, because in reality I never really did because I always felt like I have something to lose because I was mm-hmm. a fairly a good student in, in 
I just didn't want to uh, tarnish my reputation, and so I shaped some of my characters as someone who has nothing to lose. Mhm. Okay. Well, that's um, very because you know I'm an author too, and I it's kind of hard. I kind of have to isolate myself to create my characters. That's why I'm, it's interesting to me how other authors go about creating those characters. Some of them in my book are based on little bits of my personality or maybe someone I know, but I like how, you know, something really kind of traumatizing that you went through really shapes your characters. I think that's really neat because that's, that's, that's not my experience. So it's really neat to hear that from you. So for our next question, give us some background on your overall journey to actually getting published. Because if I'm not mistaken, you did go through a publisher. You you didn't self-publish, did you? No, I didn't. I went through a, a publishing company called uh, Tandem uh, Light uh, Express. They're a company okay. out of uh, Atlanta, uh, Georgia. Uh, one of my uh, brothers had referred me to him because he had published a book from them as well. Uh, my journey okay. started... Um, once I uh, finished writing the uh, the manuscript of my book, I actually finished mm-hmm. my uh, book in like around uh, at the end of 2017, and I mm-hmm. submitted it to the publisher around 2018. And once I got a response uh, back from them, uh, they called, they talked about the deals uh, that they have and they offered, and uh, I went uh, with. Um, one of the deals where we split uh, 50-50 uh, of the cost and 50-50 of the profits. And um, mm-hmm. and so after that, it took about uh, about a few months afterwards, uh, they reviewed my uh, manuscript with the editor. And uh, mm-hmm. after that, I was just in talk with the editor for uh, over, um, over the course of around 2019. So it was about a year process of the editing and getting the artwork and getting the final draft, getting it to me, getting my approval. And it finally went live around 2020, right at the end of oh, okay. Uh, February. Okay. So it was, was a really pretty long diff- process. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I can understand that. What was the really most difficult part um, throughout that process that you just mentioned? Uh, the most difficult part was the anticipation, um, the waiting, um, like uh, what kind of changes do I need to make? Um, thinking was my book was going to be good enough to publish, are mm-hmm. they going to like it or not, or are other people going to like it? That was the uh, that was the most difficult one. Is just sitting and waiting. That that's the yeah. uh, type kind of cringing for a writer. Mhm, it definitely is. <laughs> you you keep because especially if you're kind of like a perfectionist, you keep finding things. You know, yes. in your manuscript yes. that you're wondering, should I change and even down to the formatting, that was a big thing with me. Like, I'm like, is this formatting, like, I don't know, like, are the words too big? Should we, you know, space here? How do I want to lead into the book? So I completely understand what you're saying with that. But it did turn out well. <laughs> I can attest to that from reading your, your novel. Um, and leading Thank into you. the next – you're welcome – Leading into the next question, um, tell us about the premise of the book, The Vineyard, and what exactly inspired you to write this particular novel. Um, the premise of the book is that uh, it was set back, was well, started back during the heights of the Civil Rights Movement. Um, the uh, U.S. government, particularly the FBI director at the time, had um, had initiated um, a process to release a virus in the uh, populated black communities just to target specifically the uh, black American male. He wanted to eventually mm-hmm. over time just deplete them from American society. And mm-hmm. the virus mm-hmm. didn't show any effect, so it was kind of swept under the rug. And so now in present time, uh, the virus has actually spread it throughout the whole nation and everyone is being affected. And the only cure from it is through blood transfusions, and the only blood that's uh, viable for antidote is the blood of black American males, the same people who have been mm. designed to destroy. Mm-hmm. Now they need the people to save everyone. Mm-hmm. And wow. uh, the motivation and- behind it, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you can go ahead. Well, my motivation behind it is that I just wanted to write a good story, but I did want to 
centering on uh, black men because uh, throughout the times, uh, well, especially this time, is this I feel like black men just keep on getting uh, beaten down. This is that we have a lot on our shoulders, and I just wanted to uh, tell a story which we can band together and just triumph with each other. Yes, definitely. And it, it was so, when I came across your novel last year, it was so prevalent at that time. During the time when COVID-19 was, yeah. at that time, really at its height. And I remember, you know, yeah. telling you, like, this is so, so for the here and now. You know, I mean, it's totally coincidental because I know you said, when did you start writing it? I started writing it in 2017. Right. So that was that was way and, before this even you know, came to fruition. <laughs> yeah, and that's when the yeah that the book is set in 2017, and coincidentally, my uh, antagonist in the book he actually mentions that the virus is going to go into full effect three years from 2017, so it's going to hit in 2020. Wow! So it was like destiny for this to really <laughs> be in you know in people's faces right now. That's that's crazy. It's almost like you were, like, seeing the future with this novel. And that's <laughs> yeah. what really stuck out yeah, to me I, about I, it and why. You go ahead. No, I was just saying, it's just, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> like what you said, it's just highly coincidental. Yes. But that's why I, I highly recommend that people go read this book. Like, it is so, so prevalent to what's going on today, especially, you know, in our African-American culture. Um, moving on to the next question we have for you. So authors that might be struggling out there, how do you overcome artist block when it occurs? Or, or do you ever experience that? And if you do, how do you get past it? Uh, actually, I, I do. Uh, I have experienced uh, writer's block uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. And here's something that I want to do when I throw a curveball. Um, I wrote mm-hmm. the... The main I wrote a lot of my manuscript when I was at uh, my old job, and uh, mm-hmm. the job was very stressful. And it was I was in just a stressful environment, and I just wanted to escape. And mm. so, in a sense, if you want to do something crazy, you may as a as a writer, you may want to surround yourself with your own version of of like chaos a little bit. And you mm-hmm. just want to uh, just push your mind to the limit to where you want to go, and you be oh, yeah. and whatever idea, whatever ideas just come to your head, just write it. Mm-hmm. Write it down, mm-hmm. and then think about it later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, aside from that, I am I am a hermit myself, so I do isolate myself. So basically, I would say probably the better part of it would be to you know just get away from all the all the all the stressful environments. Mm-hmm. De this de escalate yourself, clear out all the uh, stress and um uh, just have some time for yourself. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Especially the last part of what you said. Um as an author I look at when I look at movies and, and some of them have plots where they're basically starring like the protagonist is an author and they have to escape to some cabin in the woods in order to, you know, create that narration and, and really get a manuscript going. And I feel like that that's pretty pretty accurate, but everyone doesn't have that luxury, like you said. Like sometimes you may be in chaos or, you know, really in the noise of life, especially with the news and everything that's going on right now. So everything you said is important to an artist that, you know, they may not be able to isolate themselves depending on, you know, their environment or the resources yeah. they have. Because you, you do see on movies where people escape to, like, the these faraway places where they can't fully isolate themselves. But I think it's important to just find, you know, whatever moment you have. And, and sometimes, like you said, the chaos pushes you. Um, and inspires you yeah. to be able to write as well. So all of that is definitely important. Um, and that, that kind of leads to the next question. How do you protect your peace of mind to stay in a creative zone with all of the noise of life or, or the, you know, the other obligations that you have? 
Um, well, for me, I'm a naturally quiet person. I, I naturally keep to myself, and uh, I practice a lot of uh, breathing techniques. Hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I just tell myself to uh, like to calm down a lot, but also mm-hmm. to be aware of my surroundings. And it puts me at a state to where I'm kind of like a fly on the wall, to where like a lot hmm. of people are not going to notice me, but I'm noticing everyone else, and that actually helps me to be more creative, to be more detailed in my writing. Like I see how somebody Mm -hmm. may be walking or how somebody looks over their shoulder or somebody like how they squinch their eyes a little bit, something just Mm -hmm. just adding little details, and that just puts you more into a creative mindset. Mm -hmm. And that reminds me of kind of, that my husband takes, he's an oil painting artist and how, you know, he goes out into environments and, and both him and I are kind of observers, like you said. So we're just ob- um, observing and, and taking in, you know, our surroundings and that does inspire us, you know, to create. Because listening is a is a big, it's something that a lot of people don't talk about, but that's a big part of really being able to do any type of, of creative type um, project, <laughs> listening and yeah. absorbing different things so you can, you know, be inspired enough to be able to create. So I completely agree with that as well. And thanks for sharing that with us. Um, no, no. Also, yes, um, I wanted to talk kind of about how, and you did mention, you know, the the inspiration for your characters, but how do you bring your characters to life? And and how how would that look different? I know with this book, how how might it look different in future books that you have as far as character? Uh, well, with this book, I have put a, a a bit of myself into my characters, uh, which I don't have one main character. I actually have four of them, and uh, mm-hmm. each one is a little bit of piece of me, but it's also shaped by the people that I experienced in uh, in my life. Um, okay. Well, say for instance, a, a bit of sensitive side to me. There's an authoritative side of me. There's a little jokey side of me, and there's a little bit of rebel inside of me. But also, mm-hmm. I just kind of infused it with people that um, that I met or people that I'm close to, because a lot of them are like their uh, their physical shape, how they're physically described, is described of people that uh, that I've encountered, and. Um, and as far as future works, uh, a lot of it is going to be um, just a lot of my uh, just my imagination of what comes to my head, and um, mostly uh, also it's going to be about places, well, about things that I've experienced throughout the years. Mhm. And okay. hopefully, hopefully I can connect with people on that level based on my own experience. Right. Okay. Sounds good. So what emotion do you strive to leave with your audience through your work? Emotion you want to, to draw from, from your audience? Uh, yes, and that um, emotion is curiosity. Okay. Um, because I believe, I believe a great storyteller uh, makes his audience ask for more. Mm-hmm. And I just want people to... I just want to, basically I want people to think that maybe things aren't exactly what they seem, and I just want them to think mm-hmm. like, what is this guy gonna write next? Okay, yeah, that's that's yeah. that's, that's what uh, yeah, that's what I want my audience yeah. to lead with. Okay, okay, that's awesome. So, how has digital or social media? helped or hurt the marketing for your book and what other marketing tools have you found effective? Um, I actually like social media. A lot of uh, what I'm doing, especially with uh, Instagram and Facebook, is uh, running ads. I run ads Mm -hmm. so often and actually it showed me that um, a lot of people that I wouldn't think are actually uh, looking uh, at my work or at my profile. For instance, I didn't think a lot of people from California would uh, would like my uh, would like my work. But I look at the uh, the uh, statistics of it. A lot of most of most of my supporters come from out west in California, which is uh, oh wow, which was surprising surprising to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. the other. Um, the other source I would say besides social media is a uh, word of mouth. Mhm. 
And um, right now, uh, we know with the COVID and all with lockdown and all that, I did plan on doing uh, book fairs and stuff like that, but it kind of put a halt in on everything. But right mm-hmm. now is that uh, it's just getting to talk to people and uh, getting reviews, getting what seeing what people like about the book because that's that's my overall goal. I just want people to enjoy it, whether I sell yeah. like, a lot of copies or I sell a few copies. I want people to like the story. Mhm. Yeah, definitely. That's that's exactly how I am. As long as it's making a difference, and you'll get that feedback of you know people telling you you know this really made a difference, man. Even if it's just like one person. That's that's more important yeah. than me to me than you know actually the selling and the, the money aspect of the book. Um, as a follow up question, because I've talked to other people about this, as far as like the algorithms on social media, because you mentioned ads and they're constantly changing. And and I was in like a professional meeting a couple of weeks ago, and somebody was doing a presentation, and they were saying as far as Instagram, now people are actually bookmarking your post and sharing it, you know, to come back and look at it later, those posts are actually pushed up higher on people's, like, little homepage timeline than the likes and the comments. Like, they don't matter as much. So how do you feel about, like, the algorithms changing so much? Is it it annoying to you, or do you feel like it's progression? Can you hear me? Uh, yes, I can hear you. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I heard your question. Uh, okay. Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah, about the no, algorithm, I actually <laughs> – yes, ma'am. I actually uh, haven't um, haven't done an ad. I guess I think it's been about a few weeks, so – I haven't looked at it. I actually didn't know about uh, people actually even bookmark. It really, uh, I didn't look at it in that aspect. I was looking at actually who, where is the most activity coming from. So yeah. about the uh, bookmark, that's something new to me, and I will have to uh, look that up. Yeah, it's no problem. And, I, and that's just one example. You know, basically what I'm saying is, you know, social media is constantly changing as far as, yes. you know, ads. I feel like Facebook, you know, this is just, and I'm no expert. I know, I mean, it's just stuff that I, I see as I go. Um, Facebook is a big ad buying platform now. Um, to, yeah. to the fact that, you know, I used to run a lot of ads, so I know exactly what you're saying about, you know, the ads that you're running, and I'm glad that they're, they've been effective, you know, for you. And it is effective, and you can see, you know, who your audience is. You can have different target audiences, and I think it even will let you pick, like, you know, people with this hobby or people that may be interested in this. Do you want to show this ad to them? Um, my personal yeah. experience with, with Facebook ads, I never know if, I've achieved anything with the ad, and I don't know. I don't know if you feel like that. I mean, you know, you, I mean, you can see like the reach and uh, yeah. impressions and who's seen it, which is important. But as far as like keeping running the ads, which I mean, they're yeah, they're relatively yeah. cheap, depending on you know how long you wanted to run. But um, as yeah. far as actually knowing if it's making an impact, if it's impacting sales, or if they're really reading, you know, what you what you want them to read, I feel like I don't know. <laughs> I go back and forth yeah, with it's myself, kind of, so. it's kind of a toss-up. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's, so it's a different, you know, experience. You go yeah. ahead. Okay. No, I was just saying with social media, it's pretty much you put yourself out there and you just you see. I mean, you just have to wait and see. And just... Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. just never know. But I... Yeah, but I like your take on it and, you know, how it was helping you because it is important to see, you know, where your um, buyers or, or viewers are coming from. That That is important. Um, and yeah. it's interesting about that they're from the, you said the West or the Midwest? Uh, the West. A lot of, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So for the next question, how do you feel you've grown over the years in the writing industry and, and what do you believe really caused the growth? Um, I think I've grown more uh, as a reader as well as a writer. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. to be a good writer, you have to be a good reader as well. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just grown and it sparked my curiosity of what type of other works are out there. What should I be reading if it should give me uh, other ideas of what type of other books besides novels because there are short stories, there are it's poetry, there's a, a mm-hmm. spoken word. So that mm-hmm. has what thrown me into the business and taught me more about like what we were just talking about, marketing, advertising yourself, selling your product. And mm-hmm. um, it, it's been a growth. I'm not going to lie, I have enjoyed it because you become more than just a writer in this journey. Mm-hmm. You become a you basically become an entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. And, and with that, what do you have any specific books that you that you recommend or you feel like really motivated you in your journey? Uh, yes. Um, one book I would recommend anyone to read is The Art of War. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of that book, but the whole yeah, premise of the book. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about the book because it teaches you everything about not to get in the war. Mm-hmm. And it's basically uh, that is that is one book that I would recommend for anyone. Uh, it will give you a um, state of mind on how to deal with certain situations, even in war okay. or even in life. Okay. Sounds good. Moving on to, a, I guess, a more personal question, kind of. <laughs> How do you juggle family and passion? So, you know, like your family or, or spending time with, you know, your loved ones and then, you know, what you're passionate about as far as writing. How do you juggle those? Um, it's actually pretty good on my end. Um, my family actually, all my family actually has bought my work and they actually like it. And uh, mm-hmm. I talked to him about it. Um, they, uh, when I talked to my brother, he told me like we're talking about specific scenes about what he liked about it. You know what, how it like it took him some time to get into the book, which is fine with me. Which that's stuff that I mm-hmm. want to hear. But uh, struggling, uh, spending time with my family. Uh, I'm single. I I live by myself, and so it's not hard to uh, find time. You know to write. As far as family mm-hmm. goes, uh, my closest relative lives around five hours away. So mm-hmm. I see them every so often, you know, holidays, maybe birthdays, whenever I get a chance. And like I said, I'm the uh, I'm the youngest one out of the family, so I'm not I'm kind of like the baby of the bunch. So I pretty much do. My mom just pretty much let me get away with stuff. So. Oh, okay. So that <laughs> so it's not. So I would say juggling family and with my passion is not it's not a hard thing for me in my particular situation. Okay. Um, aren't you are you a, a alpha? I think I saw that uh, when I was looking at your profile. Are you a? Uh, yes, ma'am. I am. Yeah. Are you active? Uh, with that I'm thing? active uh, every so often, but I work I work a lot. But every time I'm available oh, okay. when they need me, I'm always uh I'm always available for them. Oh, okay. Okay, that was just my random question for for the interview. Um, the next thing, so what's the one thing that you you want our audience to know about you? Like, what do you want them to to really take away from this interview about you? Uh, I want them to know that um, I'm an interesting person. Uh, but mm-hmm. the more that you're gonna know about me is that if you uh, read my read my work which I only have one mm-hmm. right now, you know, I have my one novel. But if you look at a lot of in my novel, you uh, see a bit more of me in it. And I just mm-hmm. want them to think I'm just the guy that uh, will spark your interest. Okay. Okay, sounds good. What other projects are you working on now? Like, how do you see yourself, you know, as far as future projects? What What are your goals? Uh, my next uh, projects that I'm working on now are uh, short stories, uh, short mm-hmm. stories of motivation. I've actually, um, instead of um, writing, well, I will have a written format, but I'm actually recording them, doing voiceover, okay. and mm-hmm. uh, putting music to it as well. Uh, okay. One of my first works, uh, me and my friend, we have recorded one of my stories, and uh, we had another friend that uh, we went to college with, He's actually a composer and producer out of Atlanta, and he produces he produces some music to it. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the right moment to release it. 
Okay. And so that's that's going to be my next thing. Is just a bunch of just a, a collection of short stories. Okay, that sounds interesting, especially with you integrating the music. It sounds like a, a good collaboration of people, which is a, is another question, I guess a follow-up question about how you feel about collaboration because I know, and I talked about this in one of our other episodes, some people are kind of hesitant to collaborate. Um, I know I had mentioned to you, I think last year, about getting together a group of people, and it was going to be men and women, and um, there mm-hmm. were authors. You remember I mentioned that? And I, or we, yes, could, ma'am. I we could read each other's uh, books and then, like, write reviews and, you know, share feedback and everything. And I think you yes. and probably one or two other people responded. <laughs> so it, it kind of fell through. <laughs> so I think, I think people are, are hesitant about collaborating with other creatives and, um here, here locally, um, um, my husband and I collaborate a lot with uh, Willie. Um, he owns um, Studio 2500. I want to make sure I get the name right. Um, in Birmingham, Alabama, it's an art gallery. And he has a lot of great um, projects going on there, a lot of great events. So we stay connected with him. But I know a lot of people, either they just don't really have those resources to collaborate, but then some people just don't want to. <laughs> So what do yes, you think about about collaboration? It sounds like you're working on some projects where you have, like, deep collaboration, and how do you think that helps you? Uh, because uh, it gives you um, – there's a lot more brains that are going to go into collaboration, so you're going to you're gonna have some thoughts or some ideas that mm-hmm. come up that you never thought you would think of. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I like. Mm-hmm. I like having a couple set of eyes on a project. That's why I like, that's why I went with a publishing company because I wanted somebody else to look at it first and I wanted to get mm-hmm. their idea on it before I put it out there for the world to see. So I'm very big on collaboration, but I do understand mm-hmm. that some people, you know, life happens or if you just feel like you just like you got it by yourself that I understand because um, you do have to be open-minded here, especially uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the creative industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that's correct, and and having different perspectives working on a project is important. It's why uh, like diversification, even in hiring at a business, is important. I feel like because you're getting different perspectives, different backgrounds, different cultures. Um, so I think it, you know, it like you said, it helps the overall project and really makes it stronger. You know, so I, I totally yes, I totally agree with that. But that was just like a a question I had that I like to ask creatives about collaboration. Um, what, another question I wanted to ask you, and, you know, it's just an extra question, you know, if if you want to answer it or not, but I wanted to ask how you measure impact, because we talked a little bit about, you know, people usually measure how successful they are based on how much money they're making or, like, the monetary element, but I know we just spoke about, you know, really making a difference and wanting people to enjoy the work or it to inspire somebody rather than just the monetary element. So how do you measure mm-hmm. your impact? Like what, what, how do you measure your success? Uh, it is a combination of both for me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For the monetary impact, I want you to at least make your money back on your investment. Mm-hmm. You may not, may not have to uh, turn a profit per se, but mm-hmm. More so, it does matter to me whether people like it. I do like the ratings more than anything else yeah. because with yeah. the ratings and the reviews, you can actually sell your work with that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. who's going to be interested if you sell, like, a 1,000 copies, but, like, you got, like, a two- or three-star review on it? Yeah. Who's going mm-hmm. to really look at that in the future? Whereas, you know, you may have like 200 sales, but you got a 4.9, a 4.5, or 5 star review on it. Mm-hmm. So that gonna, you know, you can weigh it differently, you know? Yeah. That's especially true. with someone with the, uh, with the higher rating, the value of the book can actually go up. To whereas mm-hmm. the next 500 people that buy your book, they're probably going to pay double than what the first 500 did. Yeah, that's that's definitely true because, you know, even some of the platforms, like I know your book is also on Barnes and & Noble, and, and so is mine, and I know they have, like, a little ranking up there, and it fluctuates. 
I used to like watch yeah. it last year when I first published the book, but now I don't really watch it anymore because it, I yeah. guess it's dependent on like when new books come out, you know, yeah. and the yeah. reviews, like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I never so. really paid attention to that myself because they're like books yeah. that are like number one, but I've never heard of this book. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> You've never heard of like, what are they basing this on? I used to wonder yeah. what they're basing yeah, it on. Now it's like, you know, um, but yeah, yeah, all of that, all of those are important points that you made. Um, also, I wanted to ask, what are some of your other hobbies that you have, you know, aside from writing? Uh, my main hobby, uh, I don't know if you, you know, you see my Facebook or my Instagram is uh, fitness. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the main, that's the other main uh, hobby that I have. I'm actually a friend mm-hmm. of mine that, the one that I recorded my stories with, he's actually uh, starting his own uh, supplement uh, brand, and he wants me to, uh, he basically asked me, he wants me to be the face of it. Hmm. So uh, so I'm looking into that, and uh, people ask me about uh, personal training because they saw, like, my fitness journey from what I looked like when I was in college because I was uh, severely overweight in college, and uh, I just basically lost the weight myself, like, uh, with no uh, no operation, no surgery, no I'm completely natural, no no drugs and nothing like that. And uh, people see me and they ask questions a lot, and I tell them that I'm not a certified personal trainer, but I will <laughs> answer your questions. So, <laughs> so don't, don't take your word for me. So yeah, caught up. I, I'm not. Don't blame me for it. Right. Okay. That's all. That that's me. So. How did you get interested in in the, the the fitness aspect? Was it just you know something you were working on you know for yourself, and then you started researching and you got interested in it that way? Yes. Well, I've always been uh, big on uh, in the gym, like weightlifting, because I played football in high school. Um, so I've always liked the gym. And then uh, I guess when I got to college, um, I got all that college food in my system and gained like a, another 60 pounds. I wasn't playing sports mm-hmm. no more. But then uh, one day I had, I did have to have surgery one time when I had, uh, I broke my arm and I uh, had to uh, have mm-hmm. surgery and they had to take my blood work and everything. And the doctors came to me and said, I'm at high risk for diabetes. And after that, I was mm-hmm. like, you know what, I, I can't I can't do that. Because I see people with diabetes <laughs> And I can't, like, I, that's not something I can live with, so I just made that change. Okay. Well, that's good. It changed on my diet. <laughs> yeah, we're able to do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, So what music g- gets you in the zone? Or even if it's not music, like something, what aspect like music or, you know, whatever, or it may be music, really gets you in the zone as far as, as writing? Um. Well, uh, shout out to Left Field. Uh, what got me a lot was uh, opera music. Hmm. Uh, I like uh, I like listening to opera music. I noticed when I was in college, I would listen to opera, and uh, I would uh, be studying or doing work. I had actually um, did a whole lot better on my test when I was listen- listening to that type of music. But uh, it is not just that, and also I was listening to uh, speeches as well, motivational speeches that uh, get mm-hmm. me going as well, as well as you know modern contemporary music of all that. But those are examples like outside of you know normal music that uh, would normally get somebody going, like you know like crunk music stuff like that mm-hmm. that would usually get somebody going. But I usually tend to go to somewhere outside of that. Okay. Okay. Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? Um, actually, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a, a lot of um, radio shows. I listen to some about uh, about sports sometimes, even though I'm not really into. I like listening to the uh, uh, to the um, to the players' life story. Um, there's one YouTuber I like, uh, Flimlo Raps. He talks about uh, uh, the journey about a lot of. Uh, former uh, athletes, former NFL athletes, and he talks about mm-hmm. how they overcome adversities and what type of uh, hurdles they had to uh, jump over. Okay. Okay, that sounds interesting. 
have to check that out. And and the opera music sounds interesting too. Um, calming, really calming music to me is is jazz music. Over the past two years, I've, I've kind of gotten into that. We went to um, the Perfect Note. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's in Hoover, and it's like a little jazz type club. They have food and they have performers. They have singers, like a live band, really? and, and that re- yeah, hmm. it, it was really nice actually. And it's it's a black owned. Oh wow, I'm gonna say I. Yeah, you gotta check it out. Like go on there. I gotta, I gotta check that out. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, it's called the Perfect Note. It's very popular. They're, I mean, well, they're prevalent on Facebook. They post a lot on there. And actually, during okay. the, like when when COVID was at really at its highest last year, they started doing a lot of virtual concerts. So that gave people the opportunity to kind of kind of whip, I guess, as a phrase, use whip their whistle and and see what they were all about. Because you could just virtually click on the link. And they would give you, like, um, they would do interviews with the um, people, the performers, before they performed, and, and you would get more information on them about that. So it, it's nice, like, it's, and it's very, um, like you were saying, about opera, like, soothing as as far yeah. as music, I feel like, for jazz. So I just wanted to <laughs> throw that to you a bit in there. Um, but oh, before well, I'm we get, pick that up. Yeah, definitely, you should. Before we get to the our very last question, I wanted to give listeners the opportunity to call in to our show uh-huh. in order to be able to ask questions with you. And the call-in number is actually 516-666-9943. So if you want to call in and speak with author Combs, the call-in number is 516 516- Six 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 nine nine four three, and we'll just keep going and, and see if if people do call in. If they do, I'll let them you know ask whatever questions they have of you. But for the last question, I want I have for you is how can listeners actually find your work? Uh, you can find my work at uh, on my website uh, tellsbyted.com. That is a T A L E S B Y. TED.com, and you will uh, click the link at the bottom. It will take you straight to my book on Amazon. And like you said, uh, you can find my book on Barnes & Noble and and at booksamillion.com as well. And you can find me on Instagram at uh, the Mr. Combs. That's T-H-E-E underscore M-R underscore uh, Combs, C-O-M-B-S. And I have a page on Facebook as well. Okay, so you can find awesome. me on uh, those platforms. Okay, that's great. Um, definitely check Teddy Combs out. And like I said, I, I highly recommend the Vineyard. It's very, like, it exudes emotion. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just a great book overall. So definitely check that out. Um, is there anything else that, you know, we didn't cover that you might want to share? About yourself or um, your work. Um, that was uh that was uh everything that uh I think I said everything that uh I wanted to say so far. I'm just uh ready for any questions anybody has. Okay. I'll wait a few more minutes and see if people right. someone has a question. I'll read the <laughs> number off again. So it is five one six 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 six. Nine nine four three. If you do have a question and, and do want to call in, we'll wait a couple of more minutes. As far as music, I know you mentioned opera. Are there any like specific artists that that you that you listen to of other genres? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, I actually like uh listening to uh Trey Song. He's one of my mm-hmm. favorite R and B artists. Um. Like listening to Drake, as well. Um, but uh, a lot of these uh, female R&B artists are—they uh, putting out some pretty interesting work, in, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I like uh, Ella May. Um, mm-hmm. Her name of uh, Summer Walker. Yeah. Summer Walker. She put out some good stuff as well. Um, another one, uh, SZA. Is that her name? SZA. S Z A. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She put out some good stuff too. A lot of the, a lot of these sisters are putting out some some good work for the in the R and B section. 
Mm-hmm. They, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. They are. They are. Um, they are. They are killing the game, in my opinion. As far as definitely in, in content. So yeah, I try to listen to like I listen to a lot of R and B, and you know sometimes R and B isn't as pushed as other genres of music. So I feel like I really have to research, and I, I use Spotify a lot. And of course, they have like the Discover playlist that they specifically make for you based on what music yeah. you've been listening to. But then also I made a playlist called Know Yourself R&B, and that's just what I nicknamed it. But I try to collect, I guess, the same thing I do here, like underrepresented, underrepresented R&B artists on there. And I, I find them by just going through, like, new music. Like, I try to find, like, new yeah. music playlists or whatever for R&B. And it's actually some really good R&B-type soul singers out there, men and women, yeah. that are just, being undiscovered, I feel like, and um, I try to play their music as much as possible. One of the people is Amber Mark. Like, you should check out her music. Um, she oh, has I a definitely song called will. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. I, I like it. And then also, um, Dunn, I think, I don't know if it's Richard or Richard, but she was the girl from Danity Kane, like P. Diddy's Making a Band Group, the girl. Yeah. One I of the girls her. that. Yeah, she she makes she's like solo now. She makes like this awesome. It's like EDM mixed with R and B and like pop music. But it's it's really like her lyrics are really like inspirational and like motivating. So I recommend people listening to her as well. So those are just my. Definitely (laughs) check her out because I liked her. I liked her on Dinity Kane, and I think she was with uh, Diddy Dirty Money as well. I I believe. Mm Mhm. She was. Mm Mhm. Sure was. Okay. But we haven't. I waited two more minutes, and we haven't had anybody call in. So you did give your, you know, the areas that they can reach you in, in case maybe they do have questions that they may not want to share on air. (laughs) Um, I'm sure they'll they'll reach out to you. Um, Do you did you give your do you have an email address for like a business email where if people want to contact you. Uh yeah, you can contact me at uh Teddy Combs nineteen ninety at gmail dot com. Okay. That is uh, okay. all one word. Okay. Hopefully everybody has that written down and we definitely enjoyed you coming on. If there's nothing else that you want to share. Um, we can we can wrap things up, but I definitely super appreciate you coming on. You know, this was our first live broadcast. I've done three episodes prior to this, but they were more like podcast format. So when I was telling you earlier, I was like, you know, this is you're the first live broadcast interview. Um, <laughs> that's what I meant. <laughs> that's what I meant. Yes, ma'am. So I, I appreciate wanted... you having me. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you're welcome to, you know, come back. You know, you have future projects or, like, the business ventures you have going on and you want to talk about those. Oh, we actually do okay. have somebody – that looks like they're calling in to ask a question, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put them on. Hello. Hi, I don't have a question, but I am an 84 year old grandmother, and I'm just so pleased that of all the opportunities that are available for you all down. Because when I came, mm-hmm. I don't have a question, but I am an 84 year old grandmother. Hello. And I, and I am so pleased. Because when I came along, we didn't have these opportunities. I am holding all of you close to my heart. I love you all. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. I love you all. Thanks so much for calling in. Um, we, you know, I'm really big on um, doing things and keeping in mind, you know, my ancestors and, you know, our elders and, you know, really just trying to make, make them proud, you know, with all that they went through. So I'm really <laughs> ecstatic, ecstatic to hear that, you know, and, and just have that support for from, from an elder and, you know, with all of the wisdom that they hold. What do you think, um, Teddy? Uh, yeah, that was uh, actually it was um, that was uh, surprising. Uh, 
like what you said, I I was ecstatic that someone, you know, of our age group, like our elders, coming in and giving us a word of encouragement, saying that they liked the opportunities that we had. And you're right, they made some sacrifices back in the day. And um, without that sacrifice, we probably wouldn't, we would not have what we have today. So it was definitely encouraging to hear that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> so, I mean, that 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 caught us at the end. Um, is there, do you know if there's anybody else that wants to cut in within the next <laughs> um, 20 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to do so. The number once again is five one six 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 nine nine four three. I'll wait a, a couple of more seconds. But like I was saying, yeah, I'm super glad to have you on because this is our first live broadcast. We usually do more of a podcast format, but I wanted it to be more interactive. I want to do a mix of both, and I wanted it to definitely be a bit more interactive so even the future interviews we have on the show coming up in the next couple of weeks um there'll also be a live broadcast so hopefully everybody um like being able to hopefully engage with us and and have the live show i know i enjoy having you on here with your excellent answer thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you i really enjoyed myself really appreciate you having me on here yeah so i don't see anybody else calling in so with that I think we'll we'll end it and wrap it up today but I know we'll see more from you in the future yes ma'am all right thank you all right yeah thank you have a good day you too okay okay everyone that that wraps up our show for today hopefully like I said you enjoyed our interview with Mr. Teddy Combs, and you got all of his contact information and ways to purchase his vineyard, which is an awesome novel to add to your collection. And that's really all we have for you today, so I hope you enjoyed it. We will have our next author coming up in the in the next couple of weeks. And so I would just encourage you guys, like I said, to follow us on blogtalkradio.com, follow our specific profile, for gifted autonomy, and you hit the follow button, it'll tell you, you know, anytime we go live, anytime we have a podcast episode on here, and we have much more in store for you as far as interviews, business, um, business leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, um, musicians I want to have on here, and of course, authors and writers, all underrepresented talent that I just want to give you guys the complete platform to come on here and talk about yourselves, promote yourself. This is the platform for that. It's all free. So if you are interested, you can just email me at Ashley, the letter N, media, at gmail.com, and I will be honored, so honored to chat with you on here. And so with that, I hope you guys have a great Saturday, and I hope you enjoyed the show. And this show will actually be uploaded probably within the next five minutes. So in case you missed it from the beginning, you can play it back. Um, you can share it. Please share. If you can't do anything else, <laughs> please share. Share on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, word of mouth, with your neighbor, whoever. Please, please share. Get your autonomy radio on blogtalkradio.com. With that, I'm signing out. This is Ashley Silver, Ashley Wordsmith, and I hope to talk to you guys again on our next broadcast. Bye-bye.